0: There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcasts at dot 1038com
0: You're listening to Drive Live with Emma Brain and Natalie Lindo-Taylor. We're joined in the studio by Robbie Greenfield. Robbie, good evening.
1: A very good e- evening to you. Late afternoon, isn't it really? No, it's half hate past to, five. I hate to be picky. It's Is half it past evening? five. Of course it's evening. Okay, we'll go anyway. with evening.
0: Yeah, it's definitely evening. Just on, uh, before we get to sport, Robbie, are you uh, more of a chips and curry man or chips and gravy?
1: I hate these (laughs) abstract chats before we get on to sport. (laughs) Why? A chips and curry man or chips and gravy?
0: Yeah. There's kind of a north-south divide. I'm a chips and gravy man. Yes, good for you. We were talking about um, uh, gravy. Not that I
1: don't like curry. But it just has a different place.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I Emma's more of a chips and curry. Chips we were talking curry. about um, a, a wrestling competition in the north of England and it was gravy wrestling. It's all for charity. But I said oh, really? gravy's kind of like quite... Northerners are often that's associated with gravy not a sport with we're covering, by the way.
1: Are you sure? 100% positive. It it's 11th year. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. It's yeah. gaining
0: some traction. It's gaining serious traction. However, I said to defend my argument of why chips and gravy worked, I said there's a dish in Canada as well. Is. We couldn't think of what it was called. Lots of people have texted. Um, Grace from Ontario in Canada, Vahid from Montreal. Um, they say it's pronounced poutine, so that's what it is. Oh, Kartik also texted in, Hisham also texted in. So, yeah, I mean, I win, Emma. Okay. I know what I'm ordering for dinner tonight then, because uh, <laughs> yeah, chips, gravy and cheese curd can't go wrong. You've
1: got me thinking along a line of thought <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, yeah. probably no- won't do anything for my waistline. general state of health.
0: <laughs> okay, well... Robbie, you are here to talk about sport. We'll move on from uh, Gravy Wrestling to the world of football, first of all.
1: Yes, well, a lot to talk about, a lot of debate on sports tonight a little later from 7pm because we saw uh, one of those results that really created shockwaves, not just in uh, in Manchester, not just in England, but across the entire Globe, the football-loving world, because Manchester United capitulated in the second half at home at Old Trafford, the fortress, the once theater of dreams that is turning into a bit of a theater of nightmares for Jose Mourinho to Tottenham Hotspur. It was well. First of all, before we get onto Jose Mourinho and all the antics that preceded that uh, final whistle, and we will get to those in just a moment. But we should say what an incredible result for Tottenham Hotspur and uh, and a great performance by uh, by Harry Kane by Lucas Moura, who scored two goals. A team that had only scored one goal and lost five times in their previous five visits to Old Trafford were by far the better team, despite what Jose Mourinho said. But as ever when Jose Mourinho is involved, everything revolved around him come the final whistle. He made a great show of clapping the supporters who did stay around, and there weren't many of them that were sticking around at the final whistle. Most Manchester United supporters decided that enough was enough when Lucas Moura scored his second goal to make it 3-0 on the 84th minute, and they poured out of Old Trafford in their droves. And Jose Mourinho made a great show of applauding those supporters He then came in for his latest battle with the media at the press conference. If we remember yesterday, Mm. we spoke about the terse exchange that preceded this on the Friday, where he held his press conference half an hour early and left after just four minutes. Let's take a listen to some of the extracts. It started a little bit like this.
0: The best judge in football are the supporters. Many of the supporters walked out. Yeah, I will do the same. Losing 3-0, losing 3-0, taking two hours from here to the centre of Manchester.
1: Well, many of the supporters walked out before the end of the match. Jose Mourinho decided to walk out before what should have really been the end of his press conference because it all descended into quite a lot of bitterness and acrimony. Let's take a listen.
0: 3-0, but also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect,
1: respect, respect, man, respect, respect. So, <laughs> he's he's
0: asking he's asking <laughs> for respect and displaying he's like a mad zero. King. Yeah,
1: he's he's like uh, I, I'm not culturally. Intelligent enough to to know a to know a comparison. I'm sure Shakespeare has done a play. Is it King Lear?
0: I think is there it, yeah, any? I is there it, any
1: it, yes. Can I can I draw a comparison there? But uh, he really has lost the plot. He's become consumed by his own arrogance. He has become engulfed in hubris, and he just cannot. See, he never carries the can. No. This guy it's is always someone else's fault. It's the, it's the club that don't support him in the transfer market. Let's remember, Victor Lindelof, who was abject yesterday, was his signing. Has he improved him? Has he coached him? No. Eric Bailly. His signing as well. He demanded new centre-backs in the transfer window. He wanted to buy a Tottenham player. Toby Alderweireld uh, could, could, was not sanctioned to, 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 to go ahead and do that. He wanted to buy the Leicester City. An England centre-back, Harry Maguire, was not able to go and do that. Manchester United said no. Now, I get that there's a school of thought that said that if they're going to give Mourinho a new contract, which they did midway through last season, unnecessarily as well, yeah. that will extend for another two years, then you've got to back him yeah. because he's a manager that... that, that basically doesn't build teams. He doesn't evolve teams like Pep Guardiola. He inherits teams and he wins with the players that he wants at his disposal. But the problem is, if you make those signings, you make those demands, and then those players don't work out, you can't simply just return and say, I need new players, I need new centre-backs. Otherwise, we'd all be managers, right? Where's the skill in it? You've got to evolve that team. Manchester United are lacking any kind of cohesion at the moment. They're lacking any kind of organisation. They look like a team in disarray. They look, and I know it's a cliche, but they look like a team that have given up playing for the manager. And that's very apparent. Historically, Mourinho just doesn't come back from these situations. No. So the school of thought at the moment, and, and certainly the... The rumour mill doing the rounds in, in all, on all the sports websites today is that Manchester United should probably just cut their losses, get rid of him. But
0: sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, you know?
1: if I, I, honestly, if I, was, if I was sat in that boardroom, I'd be saying, right, Need yeah. to get need to get him out ASAP because it's so it's such a caustic environment. Yeah, and he he's a toxic presence at the club now, and he's not going to change. He's only going one way. It's it's com- it's conflict. It's combative. It's it's negativity that the whole club has been shrouded in this in this downcast situation, which is which is clearly having an effect on the players as well.
0: But then it's who's going to replace him? That becomes a whole other conversation. I know con- I know
1: an available manager who's done rather well on the continent.
0: Who are you talking
1: about? He's French. He's quite oh, good at, he's quite course. good in the Champions League. Okay, okay. Apparently, Zinedine Zidane. apparently he is interested in the job.
0: I thought that was a bit of a and, joke, but it's not, is it?
1: Well, I mean look, you're talking about if not the biggest club in the world, certainly the biggest club from a value valuation perspective. Yeah. I think their valuation just went over £4 billion. Insane. the The great irony of Manchester United is that as they, as they have become this commercial behemoth, and Ed Woodward, a, a very shrewd operator on that side of the coin, has managed to, to, to turn Manchester United into this absolutely dominant global brand, just as they've done this, the, actual- the, the football that, that built this brand has disintegrated into... The absolute antithesis of what they used to do under Sir Alex Ferguson, which mm. was to play this cavalier, kind of free-flowing style of football. They were never Pep Guardiola, they were never Tiki Taka, but they would always have a, they would always have a go. Chris McCarty's <laughs> least favourite expression, because it's so sort of tactically vague, have a go. <laughs> but uh, but they'd always play with uh, with a bit of a verve and a panache yeah. that is just missing now. And I think Manchester United need to protect the integrity of that of that brand that they built. And and in doing so, they they need to get rid of. Jose Mourinho. That's my opinion. We will debate this at length. We're actually going to be speaking to former Manchester United striker Lee Sharp. Uh, I beg your pardon. Former Manchester United winger Lee Sharp, who will be joining us on the line just after half past seven. So we'll get his take on that. We won't allow him to sit on the fence. NLT.
0: Well, I just have to say, when I was um, growing up, you know, high school age, Lee Sharp, Ryan Giggs were sort of the big names in Manchester yeah. United schoolgirl crush.
1: Me too. Well, I, <laughs> I didn't have a. I, I, there was no. There's no such thing for myself. I but might, yeah. I might hasten to add, but uh, but yes, it just shows our age, doesn't it? Unfortunately, yep, sadly. <laughs> uh, but listen, a nod to to Mauricio Pochettino, and let's hear from him now because this could have been a possible coming of age moment for his team, a team that has always traditionally struggled against the big four, so to speak. Let's hear what he had to say.
0: It's only three points, uh, but of course, after uh, four years playing here, and when you didn't score one goal and. All that was negative today training for us uh, away from home in Old Trafford is a massive, massive uh, victory.
1: So that's the football. No doubt that that will be getting an extensive look at at tonight's show from 7pm. But let's move quickly, if we can, onto the first day of action at the US Open in the tennis at the Flushing Meadow. What a dramatic day it was. We saw both Williams sisters negotiate their safe passage into the second round. But in the women's draw, the standout result, Simona Halep, the world number one, beaten 6-2, 6-4 by Kai Kanepi. And a real shock result, this a a result, which given the fact that Venus Williams and Serena Williams, who could meet in the third round or as early as the third round are in that side of the draw, things are starting to open up in the top half of the draw. And, uh, Simona Halep just simply was not at the races yesterday in that match against uh, Kai Kanepi. We'll hear from the French Open champion. She was beaten, by the way, this time last year in 2017 by Maria Sharapova in New York. So it's clearly not her favourite Grand Slam. Let's hear what she had to say for herself. The balance was not there and uh, I couldn't uh, feel myself strong on the court to win this match. Um,
0: That's it. It's just a day and it's a bad day for me but uh,
1: also she deserved to win because she was playing better than me So that's Simona Halep. She's out. She will no longer be taking part at Flushing Meadow. But Serena Williams was in clinical mood against Poland's Magdalena. She won 6-4, 6-love. Her sister Venus Williams, a little bit tougher against a real shrewd operator in Svetlana Kuznetsova. But Williams eventually came through 6-3, 5-7, 6-3. So those two remain on course to Mm. meet in the third round. What about the men's draw? We had some... Surprising results, I suppose, in the men's draw as well. For the second successive time in Grand Slams, Stan Wawrinka, who's unseeded, of course, he's been injured for so long, beat Grigor Dimitrov. He must be sick of the sight of Stan Wawrinka. He lost to him at Wimbledon. He's lost to him in the first round of the US Open as well. Wawrinka, a straight sets winner, 6-3, 6-2, 7-5. And Andy Murray... Making this big comeback from injury, he's had hip surgery. He's got no expectations whatsoever of doing well this uh, fortnight at Flushing Meadow, but he was able to beat James Duckworth six seven six three seven five six three. Oh. And as I'm sure you can appreciate, and I'm sure you uh, you will be anticipating NLT, he was extremely excited about it. It was a lot quicker for me anyway than what we've been practicing And since we got here. So uh, I've, I felt a little bit slow at the beginning and then the, the positive was that actually towards the end of the match I made some quite good moves.
0: Very excited oh, about just it all. Sort of being, <laughs> It would mean
1: the world to me if I won the US Open for a second time. But anyway, that's Andy Murray. <laughs> we look forward to his he's progress. Like, he's live in the studio. He's in, live in the studio. <laughs> In the remainder of this tournament. What about today? What can we look forward to? We've got on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court, we've got Sam Stosa's match against the number two seed Caroline Wozniaki, the Australian Open champion from this year. Novak Djokovic, my tip for the men's title. If uh, I probably shouldn't dwell on that. We shouldn't no. uh, speak about that at Let's all. Move he's, on. <laughs> he's playing Martin F- uh, Fusovic. I think yeah. it's Fusovic. Fusovic. Fusovic, okay. Fusovic, I think. He, Fus- Fusevich. Fusevich. Okay. Fusevich, I think. Uh, Roger Federer has got a match with Yoshi- Yoshihito Nishioka. He's the number two seed. And then for, for last up is Madison Keys uh, against Pauline Parmi- Parmentier in the, uh, the, the, the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. On the Louis Armstrong court, uh, Andrea Petkovic takes on Yelena Ostapenko. Nick Kyrgios will play Radu Albot a little bit later. And then Maria Sharapova, we mentioned her a little bit earlier. She's got a match against Patty Schneider, yeah. the 22nd seed Sharapova, hoping to get her game back in time for a strong performance at Flushing Meadow. Let's hear, though, from Roger Federer, because he says there is absolutely no pressure on him to do well at Flushing Meadows. Won some and lost some close ones here in New York. Some years I just lost against a better guy, and some years it just didn't work out. I think there's explanations for everything, especially the last two years. But for me, it's not puzzling. I won the US Open five times, so I stand here pretty happy. It's not like I'm like, oh, God, the US Open never worked out for me. He... He has this incredible ability to say when you take it, and anyone else saying it would sound extremely arrogant. No, it sounds quite fair. But Roger just Roger just makes it sound so so normal. Um, I want it five times. I'm not worried.
0: Yeah. It's no great loss if I don't win it. I've got yeah. so many of these trophies. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry. I'm
1: running out of room on the mantelpiece, quite frankly. I'm 37 years of age. I shouldn't be winning these things by now. <laughs> and yet I still am because I'm brilliant. Uh, that's kind of Roger's vibe. But uh, I know Chris would love to see him win a sixth US Open. I'd like to see it as well, in all fairness, oh. to get to 21 Grand Slams. It'd be great if he could do it. I don't think he will over five sets against Novak. If I'm honest, I think yeah. Novak right now is, is the player to beat. Certainly Rafa, who won yesterday against David Ferrer. Ferrer was unfortunately unable to, to go the distance, had to pull out in the second set. Uh, Rafa threw to the second round as well. So again, we're set for another very close battle in the, uh, the men's tournament.
0: Okay just very briefly Robbie we're going to talk we're going to return to football but just to let you know you've had quite a few texts in Sam is reserving his comments for sports tonight. Oh is um, he now? Yeah but he's putting you Robbie who he describes as a closet scouser on notice. Uh Christian <laughs> okay. says I'm not a huge football fan much much less a Jose Mourinho one but um, Rob you're lacking in humility it makes me think war is so much easier from the comfort of the binoculars and uh, <laughs> Paul who's a Liber- Liverpool fan, proud wow. Liverpool fan says spot on Rob, as much as I like to see United do badly and it gets to me how Mar- it does get to me how uh, toxic Mourinho is to the game so that's when you've got someone disagreeing with you, someone agreeing with you, then you're doing alright that's you're good, doing a good job. yes yeah. the
1: the whole idea is to divide opinion and uh you're, gonna, You've done you're that. gonna have your critics, NLT.
0: Exactly. So, final <laughs> football story of the day: Usain Bolt is making his
1: debut. Yes, he certainly is. He is making his debut for the Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> uh, at this rate, he he wanted trials at Manchester United once upon a time. He, he may he may get now. them. He may get them if Why things not? continue to go the way that they Fine. have been going at Old Trafford. But given the fact he's 31, uh, just coming into his prime really as a footballer, he's making his debut for the Central Coast Mariners. He's had a, an indefinite training period, and I love this. The coach Mike Mulvey has Described Usain Bolt as having, and I quote, rudimentary skills. I imagine he'll get some minutes. Hardly <laughs> a glowing endorsement of Usain Bolt's skills as a footballer, but imagine that. Imagine Usain Bolt, six foot five, nine point, what was it, five eight in yeah. his heyday. That's the world record he's got for over 100 meters. Imagine if he skins you. I mean, you'd never get close to the guy. If he's has he, he honestly he would he'd play through the middle and you'd just be looking to play play him through and if he had a defender in front of him he'd just kick the ball past him and and just burn past it. him. Yeah. The um, I mean the touch like, and the finishing might be an issue but
0: it's like Forrest Gump when they just used to pass yeah. him the ball. Pass yeah, ex- him the ball.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm not sure his his footballing technique is quite as uh quite as devastating as his pace. But we will follow that story with interest and we'll see how Usain Bolt gets on in in his very nascent footballing career. But uh, yeah, that's uh an interesting little story to finish on.
0: Okay. Today's last word. I'm yeah pretty sure it's gotta be you, you
1: double checked it this time? Yeah. Are you ready? Good
0: stuff. The last word
1: employee asks for two years paid leave because
0: So employee asks for two years paid leave because why do you think that might be? Why would you ask for two years paid leave, Robbie?
1: Um, (laughs) They couldn't be bothered.
0: Okay, so Robbie thinks they couldn't be bothered. Emma, what do you think the answer might be? Wants to take job on the road. Wants to take job on the road. Okay, if you have a better suggestion for today's Lost Word 4001 or if you have the Dubai Eye app, you can, of course, message us for free. We'll reveal all in a few minutes' time. Robbie, thank you. Cheers. There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcasts at Dubai eye 1038com